Hey y'all, it's Janice here, aka J Nice on the mic, and this is Dirty Diversity, a podcast on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is called Dirty Diversity because in this day and age, diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions. The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, aka J Nice on the mic. <laughs> that was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. (sighs) I am filming this late. (laughs) This is actually the first time since I started the podcast that I am late. (laughs) So um, as you can imagine, it's been a really tough past few days for me. Um, I wanted to just get up here and talk. I didn't create a outline. Usually um, before each episode, I have an outline of points I want to hit and talk about so I don't forget to talk about anything, but I've just been going through it. Um, I was okay, you know, after, so let's, let's backtrack. Today is Monday, June 1st, start of a new month, fresh start. 2020 has been a, nobody could have even imagined. If you told me in 2019 that the first five months of 2020 would look like this, I would not have believed it as most of us would not have. I, um, so it's been one week since the brutal killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. For those of you who don't know, I actually lived in Minnesota for a number of years growing up. I lived in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I think I mentioned this actually in last week's episode, like my mind is all discombobulated, but I think I mentioned this, but so, you know, this hit especially close to home for me. And every year I travel back to Minneapolis for a um, for a, a spiritual conference that I go to twice a year, and we are like in downtown in the heart of Minneapolis. So this is just tugging at my heartstrings. And of course, I'm a black woman. I am very outspoken when it comes to black issues. I love black people. I love my people, and it it just pulls at my heart to see another unjust killing of an innocent black man. I don't care if he was presenting a counterfeit check or a counterfeit bill or, you know, it's just another example of black people being policed, being harmed, being violated for doing very benign things. So, 
Yeah, I I mean, I am just so heartbroken that I, I was, you know, I was having a discussion about this a few days ago and I was like, I don't know if this is, I was trying to compare this to situations that have happened in the past and I was like, is this like what happened when the video of Rodney King went viral? And if y'all remember, Rodney King was in 1992 and in 1992, a video surfaced of Rodney King, a black man, being beat up by four officers. Four officers beat him up. His face was bloody. And when those four officers were acquitted, LA, the L.A. riots, uh, so riots in Los Angeles, erupted. Um, and I thought about it, and I don't think that since Rodney King, we've seen a video as brutal uh, Philando Castile was 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 brutal because we saw the killing on Facebook Live. For whatever reason, the killing, the brutal murder of George Floyd just seems, it just seems more, just so callous. We're watching, we're literally, and I couldn't watch the whole video, as I know most of you couldn't, or many of you could not. Like, we are watching a man being killed. And... For the sake of the United States, I'm just hoping that all four cops get charged with at least second-degree murder. Today, it was announced that the coroner or whoever examined the body said that George Floyd did not die of the comorbidities or pre-existing conditions or whatever they were saying before, that he actually died of asphyxiation, so he was not able to breathe, as he was saying. And so my hope is that all four officers who were complicit in his murder get charged with at least second degree murder. Because third degree murder, I believe, is without premeditation. Um, that's what separates second and third degree. And I think that this was uh, the like sitting or putting your knee on someone's neck for eight minutes or seven minutes is to me constitutes as like you kind of, and someone's saying they can't breathe, you know what the outcome of that is going to be. So I guess I just wanted to talk to y'all. I've, I've seen, I've been inundated with messages and people know that I do work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've been inundated with messages of people who want to get diversity training. And it seems like now all of a sudden, everyone's like, we need racial equity training. So I, I just want to say this, you know, I think it's insulting if you want to bring a black person into your organization to do racial equity workshops, but you do not want to compensate them. I think that that's a a slap in the face. And if any of you listening are considering bringing a um, anti-bias or anti-racism educator into your workplace, regardless of who they are, well, first I would encourage you to hire a black person to conduct the anti-racism um, training or education. Second of all, I think that it's imperative to adequately and properly compensate us. I have been in the la in the past few days. I have been, and I appreciate that people are reaching out, they want to do better, but I, I just, I have been approached by several companies to conduct these trainings, but when I share what my speaker budget is, all of a sudden there's no money in the budget to compensate me. So I think that 
Um, so I actually saw the author Tiffany Jewell on Instagram. She said this, and I reposted her video on my Instagram stories. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I have a link to my profile in the show notes. But I saw that she said this, and I was like, absolutely. If you're bringing black people into your organization to help teach you about how to be uh, an anti-racist and how to fight against your anti-blackness, it is important that you compensate us. So switching gears. How do you be an ally to the black community right now? I have to first say, I don't speak for all black people. I'm one black woman. But this is ways that you as an individual and as an organization can be an ally to us within the black community who are hurting and mourning right now. The first thing, I love and I appreciate the fact that companies are, um, companies are, uh, putting out statements, I saw Nikes putting out statements and all of this. Um, that's cool, and I appreciate that. But if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. If you are committed to anti-racism, I want to see what your executive board looks like. If your executive board is a homogenous group with no diversity, and just having women on your board doesn't mean your board is diverse, FYI. If your executive board is full of white people, then I need you to think about the ways that you are going to diversify your board. Where are you? You need to be recruiting, actively seeking and recruiting people of different cultural backgrounds into your executive board, into your senior leadership. Um, if your company, it's nice that your company is putting out a statement, but are you are you perpetuating um, microaggressive statements and allowing your um, allowing discrimination to fester in your workplace without doing anything to uh, make it better. I, you know, like if so, I don't care about your statements. <laughs> you know, I appreciate it. If I'm a black employee, I appreciate you making a statement, but I want you to make this workplace less hostile, more inclusive to me as a black woman. So that's really, really important. And I'm sorry if I sound, um, I'm just really passionate right now and I just feel a mix of many different emotions. So um, yeah, so that one thing is I want you to, to talk the talk and walk the walk. I want you to show that you're fighting against anti-racism through your actions. Show that you're anti-racist through your actions. I'm sorry. Show that you're fighting against anti-blackness. I want to see your policies. I want to see your procedures. I want to see that black people are being promote, hired and promoted at comparable rates as their counterparts. Um, what else do I want to see? Well, what I would appreciate is that you make a statement and reach out to me um, I think it's a little insensitive to be, not be understanding of what it is that black people are experiencing right now. We feel like, um, you know, we're just in a really sad and, and angry state right now. And, um, I think it's important as a manager to be mindful of that. One of my close friends, a black female shared with me a message that one of her managers or one of her colleagues sent to her. And he just simply said, you know, hey, so-and-so, I, I, I saw what happened and I just wanted to reach out and, and, you know, tell you that I'm here for you and that I'm really sorry about what is, what's happening and what's been happening. And I just thought that that was so nice. And, um, as an individual, if you have a black friend or you call yourself an ally, 
Um, have you reached out to your black friends, your coworkers, your colleagues? Uh, you should have by now at this point, June 1st, this happened last week. You should have reached out to us. But if not, it goes a, a few words go a long, long way. Um, so that's the second thing. It's just making sure that you're reaching out um, and you're providing that support that we need. The third thing is, and I wrote an article about this in detail, how to fight against and dismantle anti-blackness. So the third thing that I want you to do is think about how you are fighting against anti-blackness in your everyday life. Anti-blackness shows up in every structure and system within the United States and beyond. It shows up in housing. Despite the Fair Housing Act, there is still housing discrimination. Um, you know, there was a recent report last year or earlier this year in Long Island, New York, um, lots of housing discrimination, particularly for black people. As we know, gentrification tends to push out um, the black people within a neighborhood and the people of color within a neighborhood. Um, look at the neighborhoods you live in, um, particularly those of you I'm, I'm talking to and I'm pointing at those of you who live in Brooklyn, New York. Think about how gentrification has impacted your neighborhoods. Think about um, your workplaces and look at the structures. Who is in leadership positions? Is there different types of people represented within your organization and particularly within the leadership? Um, also, I want you to look at um, your neighborhoods. Again, black and brown people are more likely to live in areas that are called food deserts, where there is a limited access to fresh foods, farmers markets, and supermarkets. What this does is it contributes to the fact that black people are more likely uh, are more prone to comorbidities like diabetes, heart disease, um, kidney disease, um, because we're in these neighborhoods that don't have where we don't have adequate access uh, to uh, fresh foods. Also, there's disparities in health. There's so much research on disparities in health. A book I would recommend you reading is Medical Apartheid. It's very, very um, dark, and it just makes you feel like, wow, this is the country and the world that we live in. But I would recommend it gives you the, the history of the systemic and structural racism um, that has taken place in healthcare. Um, there's so many other, like literally every single structure, black people are arrested at higher rates than their counterparts. They, um, serve on average, they serve a higher or longer, excuse me, sentence than our counterparts. Um, it's, it's just like the rabbit hole goes deep. So, um, I want to ask you how you're, what you're doing to fight against anti-blackness in your everyday life. I would encourage you to use your network. If you're a white person listening to this, use your network, use your circle to amplify um, the voices of marginalized communities. One way you could do this is on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, which I recommend everyone be on LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn, you should look at your network and look at your circle and look at the people that you interact with most on LinkedIn. I would encourage you to diversify your circle on LinkedIn Actively seek out black people to learn from on LinkedIn. There's plenty of people, myself included. And my LinkedIn information, if you want to connect, is in the show notes. 
Um, but connect with black people that you can learn from and that you're interested in. And then there are so many job search uh, groups on LinkedIn. So people who are actively looking for jobs, there's so many of those. Look for those. Search the has- hashtag job seekers. Look particularly for people who are black and then reach out to them or look through, look at what they're, you know, they they might put, hey, I am a recent Someone might write, excuse me, hey, I'm a recent um, graduate with my degree in accounting. I'm looking to land a gig in an accounting firm. I'm based in Wisconsin. Look through your network, and um, LinkedIn makes it so easy. Search through your network. Who lives in Wisconsin? Search through your network for accountants. See who pops up. Reach out to the job seekers, these black job seekers, and say, hey, my name is XYZ. I saw through the hashtag that you're looking for a job in this industry. I have a connection or a friend or a former colleague who works at um, XYZ. Um, I wanted to, are you okay with me making a LinkedIn introduction so that you can have a resource at this company or reach out or whatever? That is something so simple. It takes five minutes to do that. Um, Because there are so many barriers and, um, yeah, there's so many barriers to black people being hired in different companies. And despite Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, there are tens of thousands of racial discrimination cases filed through the EEOC each year. And they fluctuate. Sometimes they go down a little bit. Sometimes they go up. But there's tens of thousands. I think within the last few years, they've been like 20, 30,000. And you know, that these are racial discrimination cases from people of varying races. But I would um, I would guess that the majority of them are filed by black people or people who identify as black. So use your network on LinkedIn or in person. If you know that somebody's looking for a job, particularly a black person, I would encourage you to reach out to people in your network and see how you can make the connection. Um, the former... CEO of LinkedIn, I think his name is Mark Weiner or something along those lines. He um, he said in an MSNBC article, and I'll see if I can find it for you, that um, a lot of us are in silos and we have a network of people that look like us. And this is part of the reason why there is these discrepancies in hiring because we are in our silos and the people that we connect with on LinkedIn, for example, tend to look like us or in the same industry are just just like us. So diversifying our networks is a really effective um, way to uh, kind of dispel this uh, network gap. So um, a lot of people of color don't have access to these networks that can help them to land jobs. And that's just the fact of the matter. And um, I'll put the article in the show notes for you to read. But if we're actively um, making an effort to diversify our networks, um, this can be instrumental in deconstructing systems of oppression. And um, so I think that that is one other thing that you could do. So um, there's there's a few others, but I um, I encourage you to read. I wrote an article about anti-blackness. It's also in the show notes. So I encourage you to read that, and um, I think I'm going to check out for the for the day, for the night, y'all. It's about 9 p.m., and I'm going to try to get this episode up before the day is over. 
But um, yeah, I, I guess those are my thoughts. I'm all over the place. Not This is not organized. This is just natural um, stream of consciousness. I wanted to share my thoughts. For those of you who reached out, I really do appreciate it. And um, yeah, y'all, we, we, we got a lot of work to do as a country and as a world. But I am definitely committed to helping the world as much as I can to become a safer space for black people. And I know that this is my life's work and 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 um, I'm committed to doing everything I can to try to make this world better. So um, I'll leave you with this question. What are you doing or can you be doing to fight against anti-blackness in your everyday life? Thank y'all so much for listening and I will catch y'all in the next episode.